0: Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220
1: KDOW. I'm Rob Black. Let's bring in Patrick O'Hare from briefing.com. I start my morning every morning reading his page one column. I end my week with his big picture column on briefing.com on Fridays. Mr. O'Hare, how are you?
0: Rob, I'm doing well. Thank you.
1: So, uh, this market—I'll tell you what—it it, it seems to be like just a summer of turmoil, and summer just started. And it's all headlines. Not a lot of uh, not a lot of earnings. Not a lot of revenue. It's not even you know, profits that are driving Wall Street right now. It seems like dramatic stories from other parts of the world.
0: Yeah, I think he summed it up pretty well, Rob. And 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 frankly, I, I, because of but the, the lack of, you know, those fundamental drivers, specifically the, the earnings news right now. I think you have a market that's that's just desperate to trade off of anything, right? So it, it's a headline-driven market, and so you see these swings based on uh, these headlines that either sound good or sound bad, and lately they've sounded, you know, you know uh, better. Uh, and so you've, you saw the market, you know, have a nice start to the week based on the whole, polling uh, issues surrounding the Brexit vote, but that's obviously subject to change on a moment's notice. And even today, I think there are some reports that some of the, the latest polling, you know, indicates that maybe that Remain camp doesn't have as much momentum as, as the market thought it did yesterday. And so so today, uh, coincidentally, you kind of have a market that's sort of kind of just stuck, not doing too much of anything. But obviously, uh, Fed Chair Yellen's also speaking um, as we speak at the moment.
1: How much attention should we be paying to Janet Yellen? Because she's a financial banker. She's the king of the bankers, so to speak, with the Federal Reserve, uh, or the queen in this case. Uh, does she have sway, or are we at the point of time of just saying, eh, you're just that interest rates lady?
0: <laughs> well, she absolutely has sway. I mean, I mean. Uh now, withstanding a lot of the criticism that she has received from uh, a number of experts, um, commentators such as myself, even, for not being a very clear communicator, um, uh, she still is the head of the Federal Reserve uh, of the United States, which is the most powerful central bank in the world. And so if she were to, you know, come out and say, you know what, I, I, we had it wrong last week, we are going to raise rates you know, in July, you would obviously see a huge reaction in the market. Now, she's not going to say that, but uh, but nonetheless, I mean, you can never underestimate the influence, uh, really, of the head of the central bank and, and the ability of that person to, to move capital markets. Um, but uh, thus far, you know, it sounds like she's essentially kind of reiterating a lot of what was mentioned at her press conference and what was uh conveyed in that policy directive. So there hasn't been any much market movement here because, you know, market participants aren't waiting on quote uh new insight. So if she essentially just kinda sticks to the party line that she espoused uh last week you're not gonna get much of a market reaction. So I think that the you know, the Q&A portion of her testimony is where the real potential lies for any, uh, market moving commentary, uh, probably because a lot of the senators are just going to be, uh, more direct and more hard hitting with their questions because of the, uh, uh, you know, the, the pent up, uh, frustration with what the Federal Reserve is trying to do with its monetary policy and how it's trying to communicate what it's going to do with its monetary policy. And that communication effort has been, uh, been downright confusing for uh, for everyone involved
1: you brought up a small phrase when talking about janet yellen tied towards she hasn't been the best communicator we started the year off almost set in stone that we're going to raise interest rates four times because of what the federal reserve told us i heard one federal reserve member last week say okay we probably got one more rate increase until the end uh that'll last us through 2018 and i'm like how has this changed so much? Is there been a dramatic change in the economy? Is there just been a, a a really poor communication strategy by them? From four in one year in 2016 to one more by the end of 2018 is pretty dramatic.
0: Right, and you know these are these are supposed to be the the experts, right? They're the ones that have all of the data, you know, at their disposal, and and you know, plenty of PhD economists that are you know combing over that data and trying to you know. Um, Summarize, you know, where the economy is and, and where it's likely to go based on those economic trends. And what we've seen time and again through the years is that the Fed has been as baffled or has been as confused by what's taking place in the economy, uh, both in the United States and globally, that it has continually had to mark down its own projections for economic growth and for inflation growth. And uh, and um, you know, and the thing with you know economic forecasting is obviously it's not an exact science. I think everyone knows that. Um, but you want the people who are in the position to uh to control monetary policy to convey a, a stronger sense of conviction in their in their beliefs and and really to convey uh that they they have a handle on things to take away this volatility that we 've seen in the capital markets and and when you have that flip flop communication um it it just really creates a great deal of uncertainty. And the individual you're referring to is St. Louis Fed President Bullard, who uh by many accounts was generally regarded as a we'll call him a moderate hawk uh with respect to his his own policy outlook. But um you know, the St. Louis Federal Reserve on second thought uh you know came back and said, Look, you know, may we probably do have this wrong, you know, we're gonna rethink things here and as as we're rethinking things and, and what's taking shape and how it some of the difficulties in the economy might be more structural versus cyclical in nature. Uh, it's a real possibility that there could only be one more rate hike through the end of 2018, and and you know that came you know hot on the heels of the the Fed meeting uh, last week. And and so what it does it just you know throws in another point of real confusion where if that one particular central bank sees things as being so poor that you're only going to get one rate hike through the end of 2018. You know how can you sit back and take you know Fed chair Yellen at her word uh, that she thinks you know you might see two rate hikes next year or three rate hikes in two thousand and eighteen you just you just don't have any faith in that in that communication and in that forecasting effort, and so um you know the the, the Fed has unfortunately done, and I think it's really backed itself into a corner being so data dependent I, you know I would argue that it has too much information at its disposal and because it does it, it you know it's finding it difficult to really know what to concentrate on to determine you know what are the sustainable trends and it you know just kind of flip-flops back and forth here and it's not doing anyone any particular good and so you have a range bound market here uh, that's constrained by high valuations and not uh, not looking uh, uh, not able to do much of anything because of that uncertainty over monetary policy
1: Okay, I've had enough Fed Reserve for the day. Um, Changing topics. Anything else out there that interests you? Um, And let's not do the Brexit vote. Let's just let that come and go, see what happens. It seems some days it will, some days it won't. It's like Greece. You get tired of doing the same story every single day on Wall Street. Uh, Anything that's intriguing
0: you out there? Well, well, what's intriguing, and you know what could potentially sort of uh come to a head here with all of what we've talked about is that um you know, we've discussed in past weeks just in terms of how um, negative investor sentiment is um, and in terms of also how money managers reportedly are are sitting on a lot of cash and are are you know quote unquote under invested in this particular market right now and and so you have uh, some a lot of dry powder sitting there if you will, where if you can get uh you know, say a, a headline catalyst, you you're gonna get a lot of chasing of that uh, of that headline I think that could create a um uh you know, a nice upward thrust in the market here over the near term, uh, because so many people are underinvested, you know. Uh, in the professional set and um, so that's something that's intriguing to me something that I'm watching you know certainly there's real pent-up potential for a contrarian rally here but but at the end of the day I worry that uh, what you ultimately get if you get that rally is that you could get what's you would know, refer to as a blow-off top basically uh, because you already have a market that's at a high valuation right now and if you get that big move upward you're going to have a market that's sporting an even higher valuation and I think that ultimately will constrain that so um, not wild about the return prospects this year, even though we could potentially get a near-term rally. Uh, but we still think that uh, given where fundamentals are, that the risk-reward uh, potential isn't all that great on the upside.
1: A personal question of intrigue. You see the Tenure Treasury trading around 1.68%. Historically, had we had this conversation in the past, we would have said returns on Wall Street are going to be low. Or expect it to be very low for the next five to ten years because that yield is so low. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think that's going to hold true? Do you think it has to hold true? Do you think it it is portending a rough environment for at least the next five years? Um, how do you view the ten year? Because when I first got into financial media fifteen plus years ago, I said if ten years under three and a half percent, you buy stocks. Yeah. If the ten years above three and a half percent, you buy bonds. It was kind of a, a starting point to help the average person consume financial issues. Well,
0: you know with the 10-year being where it is, you know, wow. uh, under 1.7%, I think dividend yield on the S&P 500 is about 2.1%. So, you know, so it does uh, bode well uh, so to speak for, you know, uh, uh, for the stock market, but you know the problem is we've had these low interest rates for so long that you've 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 had that uh, you know, that trade that there is no alternative other than stocks and so I think now what you have is you have concentration risk and a lot of these higher dividend yielding names uh, in many of the quote safe haven sectors like utilities and consumer staples that offer some nice dividends. Um, so, what worries me about where the low interest rates are, while they're you know arguably supportive to uh, to a higher valuation for the equity market. Um, you basically get things so overvalued that it's a setup really for a, a nasty downturn in the future. Got to cut you catch off.
1: Thanks. It's Patrick O'Hare with briefing.com.